Welcome to Elevate, the podcast where we dissect exceptional achievers who are consistently raising the bar personally and professionally to produce extraordinary results in investment real estate and ultimately in their lives. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here and I'm blessed and grateful to be sitting here with my friend, Mike Flaherty. Mike, how are you, sir? I'm doing great, Tyler. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, always good when I'm with you and really enjoyed our conversation. Always enlightening, always fun. And I know that uh, today is going to be no less than that that we're going to share with so many listeners. So appreciate you taking time today. Hey, it's uh, it's been really neat to see your success here in real estate and the podcast. And I'm honored to be on board with you. Well, there's, uh, you're definitely kind of scratching the tip of the iceberg when it comes to your success in real estate and in life and so many different things. So really excited to dive into that. But before we do that, I want to ask Elevate Nation if they're ready to take it to another level, because that's what we're going to do. You know, our mission is to identify and apply how the best of the best raise the bar personally and professionally to achieve greatness in real estate and beyond. And, you know, we're going to talk habits. We're going to talk routines. We're going to talk <laughs> systems, strategies you know, from those who are elevating to a life without limits so you can do the same for yourself. And if you appreciate what we're doing, we'd appreciate if you gave us a rating, a review, a five-star rating, you know, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, be ready for the next time Elevate comes out because, you know, we're putting out some great content. And if I do say so myself, but uh, with that said, I want to introduce you to Mike. Mike Flaherty is the founder and president of L5 Investments. L5 provides its partners with short-term cash flow returns and long-term capital appreciation via the ownership, repositioning, and management of apartment communities in U.S. emerging markets of growth and stability. Mike has closed over $525 million of apartment deals since 2009, totaling over 5,500 units. His focus is on well-located yield-driven assets with value-add potential via both physical and operational repositioning opportunities. Throughout his career, Mike has been involved in the ownership, development, and entitlement of over 200 nationwide commercial and residential properties valued at over $1 billion, including multifamily, resort, hospitality, office, retail, and large master plan residential communities. He's worked internationally and both domestically for Lindlease, British Petroleum, and Toll Brothers. His niche always has been on providing investors with exceptional returns through detailed due diligence, market analysis, and entitlements on value-add opportunities with strong access to employment centers, mass transit, and convenient retail alternatives. Mike is located in Northern California with a family of five and has lived and invested throughout the United States. He has a civil engineering degree from Villanova University, go Wildcats! and an MBA from USC's Marshall School of Business. So Mike, with that said, man, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about Mike Flaherty behind the bio. Thanks, Tyler. I appreciate it. Um, God, behind the bio, it's, you know, it's, been a, it's been a long journey. It's been a roller coaster ride. I think we're getting ready for another roller coaster here. I'm a fan of roller coasters. We're at the top of the first big drop and uh, you know, we'll, we'll see what's in front of us here. Um, gosh, I've done a little bit of everything in real estate, um, from different asset classes, from apartments to retail to uh, resort development, um, single family homes, 
you, you entitlements, land, uh, a, a little bit of everything. And I think for the most part, my success came when I said, hey, I, I want to develop my own niche. Let's pick one. I used to be a guy that prided myself in, in wearing many hats and in, in, in being very diversified to coming out of the 2008 recession. It was, hey, yeah, that, here's my time to buy when there's blood in the streets. I've done a little bit of everything. Let's go find where what we do best, uh, what I think is the right next opportunity. And for us, that's that's been apartments. Um, you know, personally, like we were talking earlier, I'm not, probably not the most disciplined person, but I'm extremely driven. Um, and when uh, I find something I believe in, people I believe in, an opportunity I believe in, you know, I tend to be laser focused on, on trying to achieve the best for, you know, myself, my team, our investors to, to get that done. That's one uh, phrase that you use a lot is laser focused uh, and driven. I know that for sure. And, you know, we've had so many conversations where you talk about and you describe yourself as like this sledgehammer where it's like anything, no matter what it takes, I'm going to get it done, whether it's a deal or whatever. And I'd love to know more about that. I mean, like, where does that come from? And the reason why I ask that is because I'd love to know, you know, is this just who you are as a person or is this, I mean, was there a condition of your upbringing that caused you to be that way? I mean, talk to me about that. I'd love to just dive into that. Uh, that's a good question. Um, I'm a very project oriented person uh, where when I'm in, I'm really in um, and there, it, there's no turning that switch off. You know, I'm in, I'm in with both feet, um, not to the point where it's unhealthy. You know, I have, I have a family that I'm very focused on. Like I coach youth sports, uh, basketball, t-ball. It's probably another sport in there that I can't think about. Um, so I do pride myself on being well-rounded within my family and I don't work weekends, but you know, like a dog, when I get something in my, in my teeth, I don't let it go. Uh, so, you know, when I say I'm going to do something, uh, I take a lot of pride in getting it done and in delivering it. Um, so when I, when I jump in, I'm going to make that, I'm going to make that happen. And if it takes couple days if it takes you know a couple years of, of sleepless nights I've always had the ability to kind of shut everything else off and and not really come up for air per se until you know that goal is accomplished um, but I'm also one that can't do that at that level all the time you know there's a lot of people I respect uh, who just have that consistency and that drive 24 seven, you know, they're up at five in the morning, they have their schedule, they do it day in, day out. And uh, boy, I wish I could be like that, Tyler. It's just not who I am. I'm either, you know, on or uh, not off, but you know, I need some time to recover and get focused on the next, uh, the next thing that excites me. Um, and where that came from, I don't know. You know, I come from, you know, simple blue, you know, blue collar, lower white collar background. Um, you know, I've always kind of had a chip on my shoulder. You know, I've never been uh, the smartest, 
but I've always prided myself in surrounding, surrounding myself with great people, smart people, smarter people. Um, and, and that's been a big, uh, uh, secret to my success along the way. Yeah. Well, I love the, I love the thought of having a chip on your shoulder because, you know, you need an edge and, you know, there's a ton of competition out there. And if you don't have that chip on your shoulder, if you don't have that focus and that drive, it's going to be difficult to succeed in what you've done. And obviously the results speak for themselves of what you've been able to do in your, in your career and in your life. But I love, uh, I just love the thought of, you know, being laser focused and going all in. And also, if you think about you know, as a, like a vehicle, if you think about your car, like you can't always drive it in, you know, first gear or second gear or third gear, you're going to burn out, you know, the engine. So I think there's a lot of validity when it comes to what you're talking about in terms of, all right, I'm all in and I'm, I'm pedal to the metal, but then we're also, you know, we're going to put it on cruise control here for a little bit, you know, once the outcome has been accomplished. I mean, it just seems like you're just so driven to achieve that outcome. So where does that, I mean, where does that come from? I mean, is that, you know, why is it because of the chip on your shoulder and maybe feeling like you haven't been the, the smartest guy or, you know, most talented in certain ways? I mean, is there any, any thought process there? Uh, you know, not, not, not really. It's just always who, who I've been. Um, you know, they, uh, I've never really set a goal of in life to do this and do that, but I probably have subconsciously. You know, ever since I was a kid, I had thoughts of real estate and I want to do this and I want to do this and I want to own my business. And then, you know, decades later, you go back and go, you know what, I, I did all that. So, um, you know, manifestation of, of, of achieving what you're thinking, I think is, is, is probably, you know, a big, a big part of it. Are you someone who is looking to seriously elevate your life this year? I mean, now, this year, 2020, because I want to let you know that I am currently opening up a few coaching spots for people like you who want to close the gap from where you are to where you want to be. And I want to invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. I have to tell you, this is not for everyone. This is only for those who are defiantly committed, those who are decisive, those who are coachable, those who are resourceful. They're willing to do whatever it takes. They're willing to sacrifice time, energy, and invest resources into themselves to get to where they want to be, to live life at the highest level, and to elevate to a life without limits, exactly what we talked about on this show. If that is you, I invite you to visit coachwithtyler.com. Again, that's coachwithtyler.com. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're just a doer. You're just an action taker. You're a guy who just goes for it, which I really admire. And I think there's a lot that most people can learn from that. Most people just think about what it is that they want and they don't go take action. So, um, you know, with that said, obviously, you've got such a deep wisdom and such a deep level of experience in real estate. And as we started the conversation, you talked about roller coasters. You like roller coasters. And uh, perhaps we're on another roller coaster right now. Uh, as we're talking here, it's the beginning of April 2020. And who knows what's going to happen, you know, as a, as a multifamily real estate investor yourself, and I know many of our listeners are, I know I am myself concerned about what's going next, but how do we act in this environment? So I'd love for you to, you know, let's, let's talk a little bit about the economic environment that we find ourselves in. And, you know, 
what's the potential? I mean, what's the best way to act in this type of an environment, you know, as an operator of 5,500 units plus, and, you know, obviously you built such a great, you know, portfolio through the last downturn. So what do we look at here? I mean, what's, what's the opportunities now and what will the opportunities be on the back end if you had a crystal ball? Yeah. And, and to back up one second, one, one trade I have is I'm an engineer by trade. So I am very analytical and you talk about the action side of it. Um, it comes hand in hand with overthinking uh, and educating and assessing and then jumping in, right? Which a lot of people struggle with and, and I struggled with it for a long time. And, and it, it ties to where we are today because I think this is the time to, we talked about it before, this is the time to stall. This is the time to think, educate, assess, reassess, reassess, reassess. Um, it's not a time for action right now. There's just too there's too much volatility. There's too much uncertainty. There's too many unanswered questions. Uh, and it's such as in our business, you know, it's it's April first. Who's going who's going to pay rent today? Yeah. Uh, are they going to pay today? Are they going to pay tomorrow? Are they going to pay in two weeks? end of the month in two months um no one's really sure um you know is this economic recovery going to be a v or a U like we've talked about before i don't think anybody really knows um how long is the coronavirus impact going to be um are we going back to work may 1st or june 1st or july 1st the longer this lasts, the more impactful from a negative it will be on our businesses and our jobs and the economy. Um, so again, now's the time to kind of educate, sit tight, buckle up, hold on to your cash. Uh, you know, focus on, on our properties, focus on occupancy and income while reducing expenses as best we can to get through this, this period of time and really continue to un understand what we have to do to get through it as well. Yeah, and maybe it gives you the opportunity to work on some things that you didn't have the time or ability to do so prior, you know, such as developing out more systems or whatever that may be, you know, building relationships, communicating. We still have the opportunity of communicating through all the different technology that we have. Obviously our phones are very important when it comes to that as well. Uh, you know, sitting down and developing relationships, I think are still really important right now um, because relationships are, you know, talking like folks like yourself, you know, helps me understand, well, where are we going next and how do we need to act? And, and one of the things that you talk about so frequently or you've talked about so frequently recently is, is educating. So, I mean, what are you doing to educate yourself? Are you just sort of paying attention to the macroeconomic forces at play here and just observing what happens or what other ways are you educating yourself right now? I think right now it's education through communication. As you said, picking up the phone, I, I, we've been, you know, I say we, my entire team, but uh, me in particular, I've been on the phone nonstop for two straight weeks, um, assessing, trying to just understand everyone's opinion here. Um, talking to economists, you mentioned you've got a you've got a big time economist coming up soon, which everyone should listen to. I'll 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 be on that as well. Speaking to economists, speaking to peers in the industry, experts in the industry, um, you know your attorney, 
your management companies, uh, you know, everyone to really prepare for what we're about to go through. But I think more for and this is this is me talking about how I came through 2008 a little bit, um, under, trying to really focus on what's next from an opportunity standpoint. Um, this is going to be painful. There's going to be some wonderful opportunities uh, coming out of this. When that will be, nobody knows. Two months, three months, 12 months. But preparing for it now, um, such as you said, relationships, investors, uh, talking to people that could be mentors for you um, down the road, I think is really important. Um, I remember when 2008 hit, I was a real estate developer and, and it, it, was, it was ugly. There's no doubt about it. And there was a similar period of time where you go, okay, this, I've been beaten up. Um, I've been stepped on, but it's time to stand back up and, and try to figure out what's next. And, 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 and what really made me was that period, that slow period of time where I studied what asset classes I wanted to get into. Was it retail? Was it industrial? Um, was it sticking through development? And for me, the more I educated myself, the more I talked to other people, it was apartments. Um, and I tell the story all the time. I think I paid some insane amount of money to see a guru talk about retail. And, and, and you know, I'm guilty. I'm one of the guys that will go up on stage and say, hey, Ray, you know, can I ask you a couple questions? And he said, uh, hey, can, you know, can I get you a coffee in an hour? Can you meet me out in the lobby? So I said, sure. So I, I waited for Ray. And sure enough, Ray shows up and we're talking a little bit. And I said, hey, Ray, what are you doing? You know, this is 2008, 2009. It was ugly. You know, Ray, what are you, what are you doing now? Are you buying retail? And you know, he, he kind of looks around and says, uh, no, I'm buying apartments. And I said, yeah, that's not for me. I'm not really interested in apartments. But then I did it again. I think I went to see someone else speak on industrial. We had the same thing. He says, hey, can, can I buy you a beer in the, in the lobby in an hour? Same thing, you know. John, are you buying industrial now? And he goes, I'm buying apartments. Um, and it was this education process that really uh, pushed me into apartments, which has been our sole focus for, you know, a decade now. Yeah. Well, I mean, like you, I believe so deeply in multifamily, in the asset class, uh, in the fundamentals, in the trends of, you know, renters versus home ownership in the United States. And you look at the migration patterns and and just that those habitual behaviors from the American citizens. And, you know, I believe in it as an asset class for investors so deeply. And at the same time, this crisis has really hit and it, it impacts us. You know, we look at it and we say, well, you know, we're, we're recession resilient or we're recession proof in some ways. But, you know, the thing that really strikes me is, man, you know, the unknowns are absolutely possible. And I mean, this, I don't think anybody could have ever predicted this type of an environment. You know, we always look at and say, well, when's the next 2008? You know, when's the next time that we're going to expect, you know, uh, a financial crisis to hit? And it's got to be the exact same way that it was before. And so, you know, how do you deal with this type of uncertainty? And then also, do you still see multifamily as resilient as you did before when we're looking at, you know, at least early on in this process, you know, a very high level of unemployment that's starting to hit the economy? 
and does do tenants have the capacity of of servicing their rent yeah coming out of 2008 when i had when i was going through what did i want to do next and and why i chose multifamily over a lot of other things i had done within real estate was for this day this this time you know i had done a little bit of everything i knew it was the time to pick one and i wanted to create a sustainable business model and for those of you know those of you that have been through a couple cycles you know how hard that really is to do um especially within real estate because we go through different cycles different markets throughout the country go through different cycle cycles um so sustainable real estate model is, is, is a tough word, but it works with multifamily because multifamily does really well when times are good, uh, when there's jobs, job growth, lower unemployment, and, and this will be tested. <laughs> Traditionally, it does pretty good when times are bad because people still need a smart, safe place to live. They still want to be near good retail, good mass transit, they still want to be near uh, job centers. Um, so that demand will always be there and it will protect us through this next cycle. So you know, I told an investor yesterday, hey, we were, we were built for this. Um, and uh, hopefully I don't eat my words, but you know, it, 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 it is true. You know, workforce housing, they're, they're renters by need. Some of them are renters by choice. Um, that is not going to change. I don't expect our occupancies to dip very much. The challenge right now is jobs and can they, can they pay? Right. And how long will we uh, be forced to take lower rents and deal with more bad debt and deal with ev eviction issues? So we're gonna go through a period of time uh, where we're certainly gonna take a hit, but I don't believe we're gonna lose any of our our invest our investments or equity or principal that we put into these deals unlike a lot of other asset classes where they go vacant businesses go out of business our business is not going to go out of business people still need a place to live and as a result you know we'll recover from this a lot quicker uh, than a lot of other businesses in other asset classes and i also love it because we'll know when we're at the bottom you know we have the ability in our business we're so we're so month to month our leases expire every month so we'll understand pretty close to where the bottom is uh when vacancy tends to flatten out um when evictions start to slow down when bad debt starts to stabilize stabilize we'll start to understand hey this is the worst it can be and then it'll help us model the future as we try to underwrite new opportunities and new acquisitions coming out of this. Yeah. Well, I think just like many businesses, you know, well, many businesses are in maybe a more precarious position than we are as multifamily real estate investors. Um, as you think about it, you know, the short term, it seems like is potentially delinquency, maybe some bad debt there. But I, one thing that I've been a little bit encouraged by, and I, I don't know if you would agree with me on this is, you know, if things get, worse, which is possible, right? We have to face the brutal facts. They could get worse. Um, you know, do you start to see even more of a shift of home ownership to renters that then have, you know, sort of lost some equity or ability to 
service a mortgage uh, or so, you know, so on and so forth. And so I see that as a potential other backstop of this. And obviously you don't want to see anyone suffer, but at the same time, we have to be, we have to recognize the potentials of the marketplace. And, and to what you're saying is, you know, this is one of the most sustainable business models out there. I mean, is there anything else that you'd compare to the sustainability of multifamily real estate? No, not, not at all. And that, that's why it's our, it's our sole focus. But you're, you're right. People are not going to be out buying homes right now. The same thing in 2008. It's different. Um, and then I think we will also, depending on how long this lasts, we'll also start to see what I call flight to B-class apartments, middle road apartments, workforce housing, where the more expensive A properties, uh, upscale luxury properties, yuppie properties, they're, gonna, they're, they're not going to want to pay those expensive rents anymore. And they're going to go down, double down, uh, live with a roommate in more affordable properties that still have great class A amenities, which has really been our niche with Starbucks, you know, community style leasing centers and state of the art fitness centers with Peloton bikes and pools and business centers. I mean, that's really been our niche. And I do think, again, if this continues out three, four, five months, we'll start to see some, some uh, due affordability, some higher, some tenants that have been used to paying higher rents move into our properties, which will help with occupancy. And, and even you know, when I started buying apartment, large apartments, you know, 100 plus units in 2009, 2009 was really an ugly time for real estate. But we were buying properties that were not, you know, 100 unit, 200 unit properties that were 100% occupied, 98% occupied in the worst recession of our lifetime. And what does that tell you? You know, they do well when times are, are bad. And we were buying cash cows from other sellers that had pain somewhere else in another industry. And they were forced to sell the asset class that they could still pay the mortgage on that was still cash flowing. And, and that was apartments. Yeah. Talk to me about, I know that you guys operate in so many different markets across the United States and such a large geographical footprint. And you even mentioned something that was, I thought was so wise is that each market, each individual sub market really has its own cycle. You know, we, we're talking about macroeconomics right now, but you've got to be so in tune with microeconomics and everything that you're doing, because, you know, not only in this situation that's so, you know, front of mind right now is, you know, like the pandemic, right? You know, you've got some markets that are so much more heavily impacted from a number standpoint when it comes to the actual outbreak and so on and so forth. And then different markets maybe are not impacted as much. But I just highlight that to say, you know, as you're growing your portfolio, I'd love to know, I mean, how have you been able to be so in tune to the different sort of, I guess, you know, different angles of the market cycle that each sub market that you're active in? I mean, how do you get a handle on that? Yeah, I used to be a developer. I used to do what they call program management, where I would be responsible for developing, you know, McDonald's uh, across the country for McDonald's or uh, Arco gas stations on the West Coast from Seattle down to San Diego. And you learn real hard when you invest outside of your own market uh, even within a business, it's hard. You know, who are your vendors? Who are the contractors you can trust? Who's the land use attorney that you want to partner with? 
you know, how do you get something approved through the planning commission in a, in a different state you've never worked with, worked in? It's very, very hard. So it comes down to market research, really, uh, and spending some time up front to understand who your relationships need to be with. Uh, who are your, who, who do you need help from, from a partner standpoint, reputation standpoint? Um, you know, one thing we do whenever we go into a new market, our first call is to the economic development department. Our first meeting when we get off the plane is with economic development to understand who are the employers, who's hiring, who's not. Um, we'll break out a map and say, hey, where, where do we want to be and where don't we want to be? Where are your A areas, B areas, C areas, war zone areas? Where is path of progress here? Um, and who do we want to manage this asset? We're in Northern California. My partner's in Southern California. Um, if we're buying a property in Dallas, per se, who's the right group to help us there? We, we don't, especially me, I don't pretend to be an expert. I'd rather go find the expert that can help me navigate that town and that property. And, and, and that can take months to really build that um, education and build those relationships. And once you have that in place, you feel a lot more comfortable buying in Dallas. Where do you want to be in Dallas? Where don't you want to be? You know who's going to manage it. So when you find an opportunity before you spend too much time looking into it, you pick up the phone and call them. And, and, and especially within property management, so many times they know that property uh, or they used to manage that property or, you know, hey, they get, get Sally in here and Sally comes in and says, see, I used to manage that 20 years ago and I know the manager there now. And within an hour, they get back to you and say, that's a great, it's a great property. It's a great location. Or you better run. Don't, you know, don't waste any more time on it. Move on to the next one. So that, that's how we're able to go after different markets throughout the country. But it takes time, you know, to really become an expert in Seattle per se. You know, we focused on Seattle five years ago, you know, six years ago, seven years ago. So every year we hire an economic economist and a demographer to help make sure we're in the right markets. Uh, and what markets do we want to be in going forward? And we'll focus on, yeah, I call them creating silos. Um, we'll add three more silos to the mix that year, you know, Dallas, Seattle, Atlanta, to understand one, is it where we want to be buying this year? Uh, and really understand the market uh, and where we want to be in, uh, in that market in the short term and in the long term. So are you always kind of reevaluating the markets that you're involved in and or the markets that you're potentially interested in and looking at that on a periodic basis called annually or how does that work? Quarterly. Quarterly. Yeah. Uh, when we, we do quarterly distributions and at that point in time, we're always analyzing the value, cap rates increasing, decreasing. We try to do our best to stay on top of jobs. Uh, job growth, job announcements, unemployment, as I mentioned earlier, to make sure that uh, this is the right in long term. Uh, and should we be or, or should we be selling out now? So we do usually seven to 10 year holds. Um, but we do heavy value add up front. So within the first two to three years, we've invested four to six million into rehabbing the amenities, the exteriors eliminating deferred maintenance, adding technology packages, 
you know, uh, pimping out the clubhouse and the pool area and, and upgrading the interiors. So if you're an IRR driven investor, when you're done the rehab, it's a great time to sell. And that's not always our plan, but it gives us the opportunity to have multiple exit strategies. When we're done the rehab, we certainly can sell and move on, uh, or we can refinance and hold on to it long-term as a great uh, stream of income, stream of cash flow, which is what most of our investors are, are looking for. Talk to me about the dynamic between yourself and your partner and how do you divide up responsibilities on operating and growing this portfolio? Uh, we, uh, it's, uh, we're not the best at that. Um, we we kind of have this two-headed approach where uh, we're on every, real estate is extremely hands-on. Um, you know, the day you think you made it, and you move on to the next business, you're, you're taking a lot of risk there. So we're on every conference call, both of us, because we both have investors, personal investors, personal relationships in every deal. Um, you know, if we raise $10 million for a deal, we've probably raised 40 to 50 million a year. If we have a new opportunity, we're putting 10 million into it. It's half my investors, it's half his investors. So there is, reputational risk as well as financial risk. So we're both uh, hands on uh, hands on deck all the time. So there is some duplication between us, um, but we, we've seen it as a good thing because it enables us and really forces us to be very engaged with every property we have. No, that's great. That's a great takeaway. Um, I think that there's so many different approaches. I mean, you could say, hey, you know what, I'm totally different than my partner and I'm handling these responsibilities and he or she is handling the other set of responsibilities and we kind of divide and conquer. Or, you know, I don't know about you, but two minds are greater than one. I know whenever you and I talk, I learned something that I hadn't before. And hopefully you learn, you know, at least one tenth of what I learned. But oh, come know on. That. <laughs> I know that's the case. Well, you, you just said it right. So, so for our structure, we, we have an asset management team. We have an acquisitions team. We each have uh, admin that act as investor you know, relations uh, and manage that side of it. But, but you're right. Two heads are better than one. And, and that the different uh, opinions um, is respecting different opinions is very important. Everybody comes from different backgrounds and different experiences. So I think the meanings of the mind uh, is, is a big part of what's enabled us to be more risk adverse um, and successful in the, you know, the short term and, and the long term here. So I know that I'm sure you've experienced this in building your portfolio and just through your career and just your life, you know, what you've been able to do is so substantial and obviously you're driven for more, but I'd love to know, I mean, Talk to me about, you know, maybe a failure that's really stuck out uh, that's been something that, you know, was maybe very painful at the time that has been a seed for later success for you. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the term, uh, you know, fail fast or, 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 or fall forward fast. Uh, and and uh, one of my things is, is, and I don't know, you asked before where, where I got it from. I don't know, but I just always know and knew I was going to land on my feet. And I, th I think that mentality is, is really important. Um, 
and, and how I got it, where I got it from, I, I'm not sure. But uh, I, I've never, I don't really focus that much on failure. I don't remember a lot of failures because I block, probably block them out very fast. But more importantly, I don't really think of them as failures. I think of them more as learning experiences that have pushed me um, to, where, to where I am and where we are today. You know, the big one for me was 2008. Um, I had put everything I had, time, sweat, blood, a lot of money into some of my development opportunities and, and all that fell flat. And, uh, you know, I was looking at a bank account at some point with probably $1,700 in it. Uh, you know, my retirement I had spent, um, you know, I didn't have a big corporate job behind me anymore. And, uh, and that was a scary, it was a scary time. It was a scary time. I was newly, we talked about this before. I had been engaged during the process. I got married during the recession. I had a baby. I remember being served papers while holding my child at the front door. Um, you know, that, that, that was the failure, the, uh, the reset period. Like a lot of people are going to go through here, I think, unfortunately, that, uh, you know, you, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, you stay positive, you educate, uh, you know, you listen to podcasts from positive, educated guys, smart guys like you, and, uh, and you prepare yourself to, to rebound. Um, but that, that, that was the moment of pain for me. There's no doubt about it. Well, you know, it's so easy to say, like, on a podcast or something like that. Well, you know, I have the mentality of, I know I'll always land on my feet, but it's different when you're looking at your bank account and you've got $1,700 left and you've lost your life savings and you're getting served papers. I mean, how do you remind yourself in those times of what seem like extreme distress that you're going to land on your feet? Or is it just, Hey, that I've got the mentality and the identity that no matter what, things are going to be okay. Is that is that the answer, or what? What would you say? For me, I think it was ignorance, Tyler. <laughs> I, uh, you know, we talked before about just being driven. I was very driven at that time, driven to the point where I, I forgot how much was in my bank account. Um, so looking down and seeing that was was a was a uh, an aha moment. Uh, I was blessed to have a great wife that, believe it or not, was a real estate agent at the time, and it was not a great time to be in real estate, right? she was doing great. And, and we kind of hunkered down together and, and, and pulled through it. But, you know, when I say ignorance, I just, I knew, I knew I was going to make, you know, make it happen. Um, yeah. and, 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 you know, preparation, right. I mean, I, I had, I'd gone to some good colleges. I had some good relationships. There was always a backup plan mm -hmm. um, to go back and get, and get a job. Uh, it's just not what, what I wanted to do. I remember calling my dad and my parents and my mom was like, you, should, you know, you should get a, become a bartender at night or, you know, <laughs> bring some other income through 2008, 2009. And I, and I told him, I said, Hey, I, I'm unemployable. And my dad's like, don't, don't you ever say you're unemployable. Um, but what it meant was I just didn't want to go back to the, the corporate lifestyle. Um, you know, I knew what I wanted to do. I thought I knew what I had to do to get to get it going, and uh, I just wasn't willing to to give up till I made it there. Yeah, it's just the whatever it takes mindset, and you know 
what it is that you were after and you're not willing to give that up no matter what, no matter how painful it gets. And uh, it's just a reminder for all of us is that, you know what, how, how bad do you want it? Because there's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be challenges. There's going to be things out of your control. There's going to be things within your control that maybe you screwed up on. And the question is, you know, what is your identity? So you've got to be working on that daily um, and making sure that your mentality is, hey, I'm willing to do anything. I'm willing to go through this. I'm willing to look at this, you know, low level of my bank account and continue to push through and be resourceful. Um, so I love that. But, you know, Mike, I, I know that you've been the type of guy who's continued to invest in yourself. You've continued to surround yourself with the right people along, along the way. And I know you do that because man, we're, we're friends now. So obviously you're surrounding yourself with the right people. That's right. All, all kidding aside, I'd love to know um, who are your role models? I mean, I'm sure you've studied others, maybe past or present uh, that have inspired you in some way. Um, I had to answer that question for Trevor McGregor last night. Tyler and I were talking. So, uh, so I, you know, I have, a, I just signed up for a coach uh, myself to continue to keep me focused and driven. Um, Tyler, obviously you've done the same thing. And, and that was one of Trevor's questions to me last night. And, and I, it's interesting. I only put one name on the list. And, and for me, that, that, that was my father. Um, uh, a very calm, collected, respected person within the community that in the end, through good times and bad, always did the right thing. Uh, and that's something I always strive for, for myself, my family, my business, my investors. And I think that's why we do well. People trust us to manage their money because they know in the end, we're, we're going to do the right thing. Um, but for me, that, that, that really has been my primary mentor, um, uh, leader through, through my life. That's awesome. Yeah. And just the key concept there is just always do the right thing, no matter what, even when you're pushed to, you know, consider cutting a corner, right. You know, it's not worth it because in the long game, you know, it's going to come back to get you. And, uh, no, I love that. I really appreciate you sharing that. So, Mike, what are you uh, what are you most excited about now? I mean, obviously, we're going through some challenging times from a, from an economic standpoint, from a from a high level. But I mean, what are you most excited about these days? Well, I'm hunkered home uh, with my family here, so we've been playing lots of games, and I'm home home I'm home with my three daughters who are ten, eight, and five. Uh, I've enjoyed some long walks with my dog in the morning while talking to uh, my team bright and early, regional managers, asset managers, property managers on all of our properties. Um, and, and to be honest with you, that's been fun. Um, Business-wise, you know, hey, like I said, we were built for this, we'll, we'll, we'll do fine. Um, although there's a ton of uncertainty on, on how bad it will be and how long it will last. But, but I, I think, uh, People have been overpaying for real estate and apartments for a couple of years. Um, it's gotten very aggressive. And, and we've known there's been a good time. There, the time to reset uh, was, was on the horizon. And, and this is it. So we're very prepared to be aggressive coming out of it. It's so different from 2008 where right now, there's still debt. I mean, in 2008, the banks were all shutting down, right? You couldn't get a loan. Right now, the banks still love multifamily, believe in multifamily coming out of this, this recession. 
So there's still debt, there's still equity, meaning there's still cash on the side that want to invest. Um, interest rates are at record lows and they're gonna stay there, right? Uh, and then you have this massive stimulus package or you have these great fiscal tailwinds behind us um, that will help us recover through this. So I'm excited because I do think there's gonna be some great times to buy coming up. I'm just not sure when that, when that is right now. Yeah. You know, this whole environment to me, just, it reminds me of this book I read recently called the black swan. And obviously we're dealing with a little bit of a black swan event here that no one could have seen, no one could have predicted. So the question is what is next that we couldn't predict? You know, what, what do we need to be prepared for next? I mean, are you asking yourself that question? Are you discussing that with your team? It's like, what else is possible here and how do we sort of prepare ourselves in another sort of unpredictable situation? When you say what else next, are you thinking about different opportunities Perhaps. within what we do or, or outside of it? Well, I mean, I look at it from the lens of, you know, it starts with at least this current situation starts with extreme challenges for everyone. Everyone's impacted, yeah. but then there are opportunities. So I guess take the question for however whichever direction you want to take it. Uh, I'm not sure how to answer that yet. Um, as I said, we're, we're all assessing how this will change us. Um, for all I know, this could, there could be even more demand for apartments coming out of this as corporations uh, get more comfortable with people working remotely. Yeah, um, we've already been gearing up for that. We're the traditional business center of having a computer and a printer in our leasing center. Our clubhouse is gone. Now we're creating workstations because this trend has already been starting. Um, certainly now I think that will continue. Um, uh, that's, Seems like that's it's one. accelerated this trend, right? It's yes, only sped no, up. There's and no the doubt about it. The same thing is, you know, like you mentioned just a minute ago of, hey, we expected there to be a correction at some point. It was interesting. I was just at a conference uh, a couple of months ago um, in February. There was, you know, there was a very well-respected economist that said, hey, we've got another five to seven years of, of this, you know, expansion, this economic expansion. And then obviously there's, there's no thought in terms of the total unknown and this situation is total unknown. Um, but it seems like it's accelerated what perhaps was inevitable to a certain degree in many capacities. Yep. There's no doubt about it. I'm kind of glad it's happened now. Uh, you know, we were best and final on three deals in a, a couple of weeks ago with a million plus hard non-refundable and no financing contingencies. That's how 2020 started out for us and a lot of our, our peers in the industry. Um, fortunately, um, when things started to tumble with the corona or pick up speed with the or momentum with the coronavirus, we weren't under contract here, but um, we're lucky for that, thank God. But um, I'm glad I'm glad it's happened now, and and, and I'm kind of glad it's quick because we're on the sidelines, we're sitting in cash. Uh, as I mentioned to you the other day, we're also refinancing five properties and returning uh 25 million back to investors right now so it's, it feels good to be liquid through this time um we had a property in seattle that we sold we were hoping to do a 1031 exchange into another great opportunity 
we were unsuccessful finding that. Um, again, thank God I would not have wanted to be under contract with those dollars right now. And as a result, we've returned those dollars back to, to investors. So we're, we're in a good spot to navigate and strike when the time is right. But it's hard to really understand what the trends will be at the moment. Um, I think right now we're just focused on uh, trying to figure out how much rent comes in over the next couple of weeks here. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, a phrase that you and I have said to each other several times over the past couple of weeks is like, let's take it one day at a time. Let's take it literally one foot in front of the other and we'll just figure all this out. But I think I totally agree and resonate with so much of what you're saying in terms of, Hey, it's kind of nice. Now we get a little bit of a breather from this crazy environment that we were in, in terms of hard money day one and no contingencies and just hyper competition. So there's always good. There's always silver lining in any sort of challenge, but it's abundantly obvious, it seems, from a multifamily real estate investor perspective, as long as you've prepared and you've been responsible to this point. Have you been responsible or have you been reckless? Because I think we're going to see a little bit of a shakeout here, maybe a little bit of a pruning, perhaps, of those who haven't been as responsible. Would you agree? Uh, there's no doubt about it. I think responsible, I haven't heard anyone use that word over the last two weeks, Tyler. So that's a, that's a great word to hang your hat on if, if you're an owner of real estate. Have you been responsible? Um, and, and I would agree with you. I don't, I don't think everyone can say that. And some people who are new to the industry, they, they don't know enough to know whether they were responsible or not. Um, you know, one thing I've always said is that it's hard enough to close a deal but in the big in raise capital for people trying to get into 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 the business but the reality of it is that's the easy part the hard part is performing um and delivering on what you said you were going to do and what you projected and delivering to your investors and being responsible underwriting responsible and conservatively going into what can be a five-year hold a seven-year hold a 10-year hold that's not an easy thing to do. Um, but I know we can hang our hat on that. We, we have been responsible there. And um, as a result, I think, you know, we're, we're all on the same page on, on, on trying to navigate through this. Our investors have been very supportive of what we're going through. We've suspended distributions. Most investors are on, actually, every investor has been on board with that. Uh, many investors, before I even send out that email, and you got a copy of it, uh, have been encouraging that. Hey, cash is king. Um, let's stay heavy in cash. Let's make it through this tumultuous time and, uh, and come out on top in a few months here. Yeah. Well, responsible is not the sexy word. It's not the sexy approach, you know, especially, you know, from 2013, call it until, you know, Q1, first half of Q1 2020. I mean, responsible. Come on, guys. We got to be, no, you know, hard money day one. Let's get it done. Let's grow. You know, we've got so many different opportunities out here and it's going to continue to grow in perpetuity. And so, you know, I just think it's such an important reminder for us all, even in times of excess, we've got to be thinking about well, what's possible next and how can we be responsible, thoughtful and prudent with everything that we're doing. So, um, no, I, I just really appreciated that. Um, Hey, Mike, hey, I just, one, yeah. one, one thing I, I did, I forgot to finish that with the, the closing of real estate and buying real estate, it's such a huge deal, right? It's a huge success, but 
it, it really, now it comes down to operations. Can you deliver? Can you operate these properties? I think there are a lot of groups that were very aggressive buying apartments and just real estate in general over the last couple of years at the end of the cycle that have just been focused on buying deals. They can raise money. There was a lot of money out there. You can get debt. Um, you can find people to help you get good, good loans. That's great. And maybe you, you, you made a nice acquisition fee, but now you have to perform. And, and, and that's really where we are now. Um, you have to be able to operate. You have to be able to reduce expenses, continue to maintain occupancies. So that will be a big part of, of, of surviving this, this period of time. Do you have the right people? Do you have the right knowledge and experience? Uh, and do you have the right strategies in place to, um, uh, to have your asset perform? Absolutely. And it, it all goes back to the concept to me of, you know, the theory of, you know, changing the roof or replacing the roof when the sun is shining, so to speak. Yeah. You know, it's not the easy thing to do to go invest in an expensive team member, as an example, or a new system or, you know, underwrite your deal and stress test it from all angles and say, you know what, we're going to take the, you know, a little bit lower on a loan to value when we know yeah. we can max leverage our deal. Um, you know, it's not easy to do those things, but I also go back to the the concept of, you know, hard choices equals an easy life and easy choices equals a hard life. Because I think that if you're not really sitting down and making those hard choices, you know, at times that get challenging, that's when you start to really face some challenging circumstances deeply. That's just my opinion. Um, so Mike, I'd love to, uh, love to transition into our rapid fire section. It's called our rare air questionnaire. And obviously you're an uncommon individual. You're somebody who's much above average. And so what we do here in Elevate is we continue to raise the bar. We continue to climb to the highest limits and expand, you know, what we believed was possible yesterday. And so I'd love to do that with you now. Uh, okay. If you were to point to two to three of your most impactful books that you've read, uh, is there anything that you would point to there? Yeah, I saw that on your list of questions. And believe it or not, I don't read a lot. I don't have time to read a lot. I've been so <laughs> on the business, I feel like I haven't read a lot of a lot of books since the last recession. So maybe this will uh, be a good time to to get caught up on that. You've already made some good recommendations to me, Tyler. The the one that always comes to mind is Napoleon uh, Napoleon Hill Think and Grow Rich, um, yeah. because I'm always seeking motivation when times are uncertain. Um, or, or, or when you get down a little bit, you know, when's the next deal going to be? How ugly is this going to be? That's one book I've always turned to. Uh, believe it or not, I've never finished the book because I, I get so motivated at certain points that I tend to put it down and, and, and get back and focused on action. That's awesome. Um, but historically, that, that's been the book that from a business standpoint, motivation standpoint, uh, has always been my, my go-to. Yeah, I was, I talked to, uh, Vinny Chopra on the podcast a few months ago. And one of the things he talked about is he, he, on the other hand, loves reading and he reads all the time, but he said he's never finished a book in his entire life. So that was interesting. And you're kind of on the other extreme of perspectives. I was like, man, I'm an action taker. So the question is, where do you fall along the spectrum? You don't have to just be this bookworm. Of course you want to be learning and growing and 
and expanding your own knowledge. And it sounds like Mike, you, your the way that you expand your knowledge, or at least, you know, to a large degree is through your relationships and through your conversations. And obviously you're in, you're an educated individual. I mean, if you would have read the email that Mike just sent out to his investors uh, over the weekend, you'd be blown away. I mean, this is an individual who's, who's definitely not neglecting, you know, growing his knowledge, growing his wisdom and his understanding. So I think there's just a ton of takeaways there. You don't just have to be this bookworm to be an educated individual. And certainly Mike, you're in that, in that camp. Um, so Mike, tell me about what's the biggest way that you'd say that you elevate your life on a daily basis. I think it's being positive, um, trying to stay positive as energetic as you can, and, and really surrounding myself with with good people. Um, I've got a great team. I've got a great partner who I trust. Um, we've been doing this ten years together. Uh, my wife is incredible. Uh, she's always been extremely supportive uh, of what I do and why we do it. Um, uh, that's real. That's really it for me is surrounding myself with good people, smart people. Um, and, and, and I think that comes back. I keep bringing up the education side of it. Um, challenging yourself to, to, to be around better people, smarter people, more interesting people, uh, more experienced people uh, that help you continue to, to drive yourself and put you in a, in a, in a good mindset. Um, yeah, and that that's yeah that that's true two weeks ago and it certainly is true now absolutely what's the biggest way that you'd say that you elevate others around you um i think it goes back to the same thing uh trying to stay positive supportive helpful uh available um meaning you know it's especially now right now it's not the time to hide out uh, it's the time to stay in front of all this um, with good communication. And sometimes it's just, it's small touches. Uh, a good email to, to, to let people know you're thinking of them, you're involved, you're checking in. Hey, and I used to always say that because I've done some coaching on the acquisition side. Don't hesitate to just stay in front of people by saying, hey, remember me. I'm still out here. Don't forget about me. Um, and I think that's really it in a, in a nutshell, stay, staying open, available and, and, and out in front of, of issues. Well said, my friend, uh, you know, Mike, this has been so much fun. Is there any parting words of wisdom that you'd share with Elevate Nation today? Uh, I think it's, 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 it's hang on. Um, my mom gave me, uh, we'll have to, we'll have to find it someday. I'm sure we could find it on Google. Uh, a picture in, 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 I think it was in high school of a frog holding on to this duck as the duck was about to swallow him. And, you know, it said, never, never give up. Um, which is, I think, uh, a, an important thing for all of us to remember right now, volatility, uncertainty, uh, keep fighting, don't give up, surround yourself with good people keep listening to good, smart people like Tyler, and uh, we'll all get through this. And number two, if you're an investor, continue to educate yourself, listen, learn, and uh, we'll all be in a really good spot coming out of this together. Man, there's nothing else to add to that. There's a ton of wisdom. This has been a super enlightening conversation, Mike. I really appreciate your time. 
and uh, tell Elevate Nation how they can learn more about your company and what you guys are doing. Well, Tyler has all my information down to my personal cell and we talk at least <laughs> once or twice a week here. So obviously Tyler knows how to reach me. Uh, my email is mike at l5invest.com. Uh, L is in Larry, the number five, invest.com. Uh, website is the same, l5invest.com. And um, we've been doing this for 10 years with apartments. I think uh, our portfolio is now valued at a little over 600 million in sliding at the moment, probably. <laughs> uh, but we got the net worth, though, right? <laughs> What's that? So don't worry about the net worth though, right? We learned that 10 years ago. <laughs> We've developed a great relationship with our investors. We've developed a great track record. Uh, and and we, we lead with that. Um, you know, that has not changed. It'll never change, change going forward here. Yeah, well, I mean, you, if, if you can't tell, I mean, we're talking to the best of the best here. Um, this is best in class. This is really this gold standard in the multifamily real estate industry is Mike and his team. And so, you know, definitely want to just thank you again, Mike, for really spending so much time with us. And I want to encourage Elevate Nation. I mean, you've got to re-listen to this show because there's so much gold nuggets of wisdom, not only for the current environment that we're dealing in, but in terms of structuring your business and structuring your life and, and building philosophies and building principles towards creating a sustainable business, a sustainable, you know, life. Uh, lifestyle by design, which is really what we're all about here and living that life without limits. You can do this through the vehicle of real estate. And so uh, there's a ton of wisdom here and you want to share this with others because the teachers who learns the most. And if you want to, you go ahead and screenshot the show, post it on social media. You can tag our company. You can tag Mike and his company and share this with someone else and teach them. What did you learn from this and how are you going to put that into action? Because as Mike mentioned, you know, action is really the most important component here. Uh, and so you've got to take massive action. So Mike, with that said, man, thank you again for being here. Thanks, Tyler. Have fun. Be safe out there. Absolutely. Elevate Nation. We will see you next time. Thanks for tuning in. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a real estate investment firm formed by myself and my partner, Brian Flaherty, where we invest in multifamily real estate communities across the Southeast United States. If you'd like to learn more about our approach, our mission, our acquisition criteria, and how you can learn more about future opportunities, visit cfcapllc.com. Again, that's cfcapllc.com. Thank you for listening to Elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate, review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit tylerchesser.com.